Welcome to Drinking with Authors. I'm your host, Erica Lance. My co-host today is the amazing Bo Lake with hair that looks like it's fire. I love it. I love it. And our guest today, welcome to the show, is Gregory Gregory D. Little. I can talk, I promise. Welcome, Gregory. Thank Ah. you. Thank you for having me. Woo! Today, we're starting off hot and heavy. I wish I could point drinking, but I can't. Starting strong. Yeah. Okay. Let's talk about what we're drinking, though. So I have the last of these that I had in my fridge, and I love them. And it's Flat Rock Cider Company. And this one is called Muigopa. I don't think I'm saying it correctly, so I'm sorry. But it's Guava Passion Fruit Hard Cider, and it's freaking amazing. So... It's great, and I can't get more because it was a limited run. Makes me sad. Bo, what are you drinking? I am drinking a Coke Zero because I'm feeling fancy today. Is there something in it? I'll never tell. Well, that's that's pretty much a given that there's something in it. Okay. Um, Gregory, what are you drinking with us today? I, I am drinking uh, an unsweetened iced tea of an alarming amount, so we we better hope there's nothing in it because I probably won't make it if there is. I don't know that that hat you're wearing speaks that you should make it through freaking anything. Like that, <laughs> Thank you. That hat alone says I can fucking take on the world. Okay, so um, it's kind of sure we're gonna have today, Bo. You feeling it? Yeah, I'm feeling yeah. it. Really. Yeah, Bo's like, why didn't she pick someone else today? That's what she's feeling. Uh, okay, so Gregory, for the world at large that may not know, what do you write? Um, I write, I've written both fantasy and I'm in the process of a couple of science fiction series right now. Um, and I've dabbled in horror as well. So I, I cover all kind of all things speculative fiction, I guess. Very, very cool. So when, when did this um, wonderful journey for you begin? Um, well, I guess way back in high school, um, a friend and I were both very into, uh, stop me if you've heard this one before, uh, the Star Wars Expanded Universe uh, books. And we decided that, heck, we could write our own Star Wars book. Um, and that very rapidly devolved. It was basically uh, us passing back and forth a spiral lined notebook handwriting chapters I would write a chapter and he would write a chapter and so on and so forth and it very very quickly devolved into each of us being like let's see him get it out of this like uh, as you finish the chapter with some impossible cliffhanger uh, sometimes literally and then hand it to him like deal with this it sounds like a vengeful choose your own adventure yeah it, it really was that and uh we had a great time and that was when I first figured out I enjoyed writing and then fast forward to to AP English in my senior year and I got a lot of feedback from my teacher that I was actually good at writing so the combination of those two things is like oh I enjoy this and apparently at least one person thinks I'm good at it so maybe I should keep going with it. That's cool. And I love it when teachers are actually helpful in that regard. I think a lot of teachers have the world of best intentions, but unfortunately we've had people on the show to discover that some teachers are just dickholes and do not actually. (laughs) I've had that experience too. Um, I also uh, have some, some level of artistic talent, uh, but I had a a teacher sort of quash that somewhat. (laughs) 
<laughs> oh, see, that sucks. Ah, yeah. Fuck that teacher. Fuck that teacher. Okay. So um, what was, <laughs> I'm in a mood, Bo. I don't know what to tell you. It's just a freaking mood today. That's what's happening. I can just tell from the look on your face. You're like, she's out of control today. One would think I was out of control on a regular basis doing this podcast. But um, let's talk about the first thing you published. What was the first thing besides this epic, vengeful, how can I screw up with my friend back and forth in high school? Um, what was the first thing that you formally published, I guess I should say? Um, I've, I've been publishing, well, I guess the first thing, very first thing was a short story, um, kind of a, a a little bit of, it was actually a post-apocalyptic love story which was interesting still still a thing i really enjoy going back to every now and then um the first book i published was back in 2015 and it was the first volume of my unwilling souls epic fantasy series which i self-published the first or the the whole series of um so that was and it, it was my kind of based on all the epic fantasy i read growing up my my it's like well this is now it's my turn to kind of do my shot at this <laughs> so, um uh wound up being four four books long and uh um i had a lot of fun working on it and uh, it got actually got me the notice of my publisher who uh, cursed dragonship who i'm currently working with on my sci-fi series so very cool a cursed dragonship is a friend of this podcast i enjoy them yes. very much um Let's talk a little bit about uh, the self-publishing because uh, that is a whole thing in and of itself when you're like, you know what I'm going to do? I think sometimes people go, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to self-publish a book. And then they get into it and are like, what the actual <laughs> happening right now? Like, because uh -huh. <laughs> there are so many little things. I think it's like doing almost anything, even like, when I started um, back when I could do this before my back surgery, I started jogging or jogging if you're Ron Burgundy. And um, I didn't realize how much stuff goes into if you actually want to run correctly and do it for any period of time and maybe do like 5Ks and stuff like that. Even if you're not doing it to like win the 5K, right? Like mm -hmm. the first time I went to get real shoes and they're like, okay, here, put these on. We want to see you walk. And they're like watching me walk and then watching yeah. me run in these different shoes. And I'm like, what the hell could you possibly be seeing in these shoes that would be doing that run? in the middle of a mall is the most humbling experience I've ever had. Like, <laughs> well, someone is watching me run like mm. and then be like, you know, you run weird. And I'm like, thank you. Great. <laughs> thank you. That's great. I'll never great. run yeah. again. Just like the teacher that said Greg's stuff wasn't great. Screw you, stupid dish line. Okay, so that's a story, by the way. Anyway, um, so what was that like when you're like, you know what, I'm going to publish this book. We walk in with a lot of swagger when we go to do that. And then it's like, uh, well. It's a, okay. it's, a, it's a humbling experience. And you definitely realize quickly if you're doing it, you know, if you want to put out a quality product, you realize quickly like, oh, like this is a lot of things. You know, there's a cover, art, there's cover art, there's editing, there's developmental editing, there's proofreading, there's, you know, uh, there's marketing, there's you have to have a website. There's you see all these things that if you're working with a publisher, you know, the publisher does, you do. And on the one hand, you have total control over everything, you know. 
if you don't like the way the cover is coming, you can make a change on that, you know, but if you're smart, unless you have a ton of artistic talent, you'll find someone who's good at cover art and hire them to do it. Now you'll still have control over it, but basically it's like you have all the control, but you also have all the responsibility. And if anything screws up, it's your fault. (laughs) And, uh, and there's always something that you could be doing to improve your publishing side of things that takes you away from the time you could be spend, spending writing too, which is a big thing. No, that's true. Trust me. Ah, that one I know. Um, okay, let's talk about your first series and what it's about. And then, Bo, I promise you get the next question. I'm paying attention to the time. I've got this. You, the self-published series, you mean? Yeah, when you okay. first started, let's talk about your, your fantasy. You're like... Because you started saying Star Wars, and then, like, <laughs> and then I published a fantasy series. Yeah, so let's well, tell what that meant. In between, I think I think what happened there is in between reading Star Wars books and me deciding I was going to self-publish, I read The Wheel of Time, which is probably what determined that I was going to write an epic fantasy at some point. Um, but the series is it's a so the 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 tagline is is a. Uh, Humanity's gods are rightfully imprisoned, and Cess Lucani intends to keep it that way. But her rebel father has other plans, um, and so this is a world John, where, John. yes, this like is a world. Change. This is a world where uh, they've hollowed out the center of the planet, and they've imprisoned the gods inside it. And what Cess is, she's an apprentice. She's a sixteen-year-old apprentice jailer of the gods. She's learning to forge the magical tools that keep the gods locked in their prison because the last time the gods were free, they tried to wipe out humanity. Um, and gods, on, her 16, on her 16th birthday, someone, maybe her father, maybe not, I'm not going to tell, tries to break the gods out. And her father is the world's most wanted terrorist. Um, oh. and, and during that whole kerfuffle, uh, the secret of her parentage, because she's this sort of secret daughter of him, nobody, nobody's supposed to know, comes to light and she's for and because of that she becomes a suspect she's forced to go on the run and uncover what exactly is going on uh to prevent her own doom or the doom of the world if the gods should be released so that's the the sort of tag that's the tag of the first book okay okay i like it i like it okay i promised bo to go next so (laughs) bo go next what is your favorite fantasy trope that you've used in your book, in your series? Mm, I always like um, a wild card character, mm-hmm. a character who sometimes they're helping the good guys. Sometimes they're helping the bad guys. They always have some kind of separate agenda. And it's like, if, if you're, if your agenda is aligned, it's great. And if not, they're happy to cross you. But those kind of characters are great fun for me, uh, both to read and to write. I love those kind of characters. What about least favorite trope? Um, it, you have to work really hard. And I don't like it when, this is kind of a low-hanging fruit, but when characters are refusing to tell each other obvious things because they're mad, mad at each other for contrived reasons. And I totally get the temptation to use that trope because I've certainly come across that temptation. I do my best not to succumb to that temptation. That's pretty much every television show on the planet. Yeah. Yeah. If you watched Lost, 
they were especially bad about that. They yeah. had well, that I watched it. the first three seasons of okay, I'm gonna get hate now. I watched the first three seasons of Lost. Don't worry, Greg, I'm gonna direct it towards you when I get it. Um, but I <laughs> after season three, I could not do it. I tried, I could not do it, and then I went and watched the last episode that they mm-hmm. did just to see what they did with it. I'm not going to comment any further on that. I'm just going <laughs> to say that they did end the series. But the first couple of seasons, I thought the way they did things was pretty brilliant. And there was a constant threat. And the way they had set it up on the miscommunication was you didn't know who to trust because none of these people knew each other, right? right? Yeah. So they yeah, did it, that well. It, it was works good. for a little while. Yeah. But... <laughs> I, I, it's when I discovered that about TV shows so many moons ago, I was like, oh, this is fucking dumb. Then every, cause it takes two seconds to walk over and go, hey, Bo, by the way, uh, Jerry just burned your case file. And so right. you're not going to be able to find it later. Like, and end of program. No, nope, yeah. we're going to go show 45 over. more minutes. And then you come in and I go, oh, I, oh, I wasn't sure if you wanted to receive that knowledge mm-hmm. you know like all the dumb shit they say and you go why the hell would you even write that yeah exactly. i didn't think you're emotionally ready for this knowledge about the case file yeah exactly i didn't want you to be mad at jerry what uh, dun, Fuck dun, dun, jerry dun. honestly okay look back and forth <laughs> oh, anyway what's your next question bo since i just railroaded over that one so it, it makes sense that you go back to sci-fi because sci-fi seems to be where you started. But what made you drop fantasy? Um, honestly, uh, that series was such a imagination drain for me because I tr- really tried to make the world really interesting. And one thing I like to do is reveal things by layers as the series goes on like oh this thing you think you understand actually it's not like that it's like this but and now it's like this and so more and more it's like peeling back in layers of an onion you know and you get more by the time I was done with that I was kind of wrung out of fantasy ideas and I sort of need to let that well recharge I think so I (laughs) but I had some science fiction stuff that I've been you know noodling over for a while and messing around with so it seemed like a, a good time to to jump over uh and and try that for a while um yeah i think that's basically it <laughs> just exhaust exhaustion i guess <laughs> so why did you go to horror oh i always like i've always even as a kid like you know creepy crawlies and horrible monsters so uh and really the horror right now is part of the sci-fi uh there's there's some horror elements in the sci-fi in the form of horrible monsters so um, that's that's just a personal proclivity, I guess, <laughs> is uh, is enjoying scary things. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. So what are you working on right now? So the two series I'm working on right now, one is um, the is the Mutagen Deception series of first book, The Last Humans. And basically the premise of that is that it's humanity's last city on earth um, where danger is never far away. And no one understands that better than our uh, Yasmina Delgasi, who lost her best friend to these monstrous alien revenants that basically have taken over the rest of the world. 
leaving only this one last walled city. She So she loses her friend to these creatures. She decides, I'm going to run for city council to try and make things safer for everyone else. Uh, but on the night of her election, she discovers her boyfriend in his apartment dead uh, with a threat painted on the wall, a threat that's directed at her. And so now on the, she's got not only this alien threat outside the city, but a, some sort of murderous conspiracy inside the walls that has targeted her. And she has to unravel what all this means, if there's any connection between the things before humanity's last city becomes its tomb as well. Um, and, and then the other series uh, that starts next year is set in the same universe um, but it's going to be a bit different tonally. It's going to be a murder mystery, sci-fi murder mystery comedy. And that series is called Bell Begrudgingly Solves It. And the first book is Murder on the Interstellar Express. And it's basically a story about a, a interstellar col colony ship uh, where our hero is unwittingly forced to be on this ship and wakes up from cryo sleep to find that people are getting murdered and has to figure out what's going on before it's too late. I like that. That is pretty kick-ass. Very cool. Okay, Bo, one more question before we go to break. I love all the juggling of genre. <laughs> that second series sounds fun. Thank um, you. <laughs> as someone who also writes horror, what is your favorite like um, like horror element element that you brought into a more like sci-fi space. So I really like psychological horror. I obviously like more visceral horror too with horrible carnivorous monsters, but a, a good psychological horror where, um, you know, maybe the monsters are us kind of a, <laughs> kind of a story. <laughs> is always fun for me. I love playing with issues of identity. I love that, that's that's true in the fantasy too. I love where but the 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 sort of the 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 phrase that will always pique my interest about any story is nothing is as it seems. Mm -hmm. So you can always pretty much assume there's some element to any story I'm writing where that's the case because that's what I love more than anything. So a, a horror where you don't even know where you don't even understand really the world around you or you you come to realize you don't understand it this kind of deep existential horror is probably my favorite thing to play with i like it i like it as a horror writer as well i enjoy that i also don't enjoy happy endings so that's mm, I'm <laughs> a thousand percent on board with screwing people up mentally yes and that we will be right back with drinking with authors <laughs> Hey, listeners, you know me, Eric Lance. You're just listening to me in the podcast that you had. But guess what? I'm doing something new. Yeah, she's joining me, Mark Muncie, the author of the Erie, Florida book series in Erie, Appalachia. And we are hosting a new podcast called Erie Travels. Woo-woo, Erie Travels, which covers things like ghosts, cryptids, weird stuff, UFOs, men in black, all kinds of fun things that people talk about and I'm sure you've discussed with friends. Yep, and you can listen to us on your favorite podcast platform of choice or find us at eerietravels.com and join in the fun and all the spooky goodness. And of course, Mark, what do we always say? We'll see you on the other side. 
Okay, we're back. We're back and um, talking about what it's like to have audience reviews of stories when they're not just like, oh my God, I love this story. It was so great. And instead they say things that <laughs> make you understand that they got to that part of your book and it had the effect you wanted it to have. Um, so, okay. My next question for you is, is there genres that you want to be writing in that you're not yet? Um, I would like to do at some point a, just a pure horror uh, of some sort. And that's, that's, that's on, that's on my, I need to get through the two series I'm working on now. And then that's on my list at that, after that. But, uh, you know, I'd like to be able to say I wrote at least one series in all three of fantasy, science fiction, and horror. And, uh, you know, so yeah, I guess in a broad sense, uh, just something that is a horror period and not with other stuff attached to it. It'd be interesting because you have such a dynamic history with fantasy and um, sci-fi that it'll be interesting to see if you can do a real everyday life horror thing. Because I feel like a lot of times there are people who are great at doing that, but I see people who have like the sci-fi and fantasy stuff start kind of creeping in from the side. It'll almost certainly do that because my, my publisher laments and also she loves the fact that I write cross genre stuff, but she loves to tease me about the fact that, um, that it's very hard to just list my books. Like, what is this? I joke that you can just say whatever is asked, just ask the person, what genre do you like? It's probably represented in this book. <laughs> Um, but it does make it difficult, I think, when you're putting it in categories on Amazon. So whenever I do get around to writing a a true, a primarily horror series, I'm sure that there will be some science fiction or fantasy element in there too, because I get I get bored if the genre is too kind of narrowly defined um, pretty quickly. So that'll be interesting. I will have to look forward to that. Um, is there so having had this experience and getting from a publisher and stuff what are the parts that you thoroughly love about being an author um well my favorite thing and i i'm i'm mostly a pantser um i, I whenever i start a story I, I know the begin i won't start a story till i know the beginning and the end um so i'm not a pure pantser i don't just totally write without an idea of where it's ending up but um, I end up jumping all around in between those points, writing stuff that interests me, figuring out where those might connect. Um, and my favorite, absolute favorite thing about writing is when I write a scene or a chapter just because it seems like something cool to be in the story without any real idea of why it's in there. And then later I'm working on some other part of the story and suddenly I have this brainwave of like, oh my gosh, this could explain this other thing perfectly, even though I didn't set out for it to do that. So for, for example, the Unwilling Souls, the first book of my epic fantasy, I, I included an artifact that Seth, our hero, discovers, and it clearly is important. And I had no idea what it was when I put it in there. Um, and then partway through the second book, I figured it out. And I figured out how it was an important part of the second book's plot and also why it did what it did in the first book as a result of that. And it was this moment, I still remember the feeling of like, oh yes, <laughs> this perfect sublime transcendent moment of like, 
of like, yes, that's perfect. And it fits and I love it. And uh, it totally retroactive. So I guess I like painting myself in corners and then having to sort of dance my way out of them. <laughs> Which is what you did with that first th- writing exercise in high school. So maybe that was, I don't know if that reflected what I enjoyed or if that created the fact that I enjoyed that, but maybe, mm-hmm. yeah, that's a good question. If, which came first, the chicken or the egg? Um, well, so that's I my. Think f- you you describe something that a lot of people call writer's block, and I say this to people all the time: is if you backed yourself into a corner, go back to where you were driving along the road perfectly well, and you got to turn a different direction because if yeah. you can't pivot like you just discussed and figure out how to get out of that corner, people can sit there staring at that corner on their written page for days, weeks. And I'm yeah. like, it's not going anywhere. You literally yeah. are at a dead end. Turn around, go back. Like, I, I've learned over the years that if I'm constantly finding excuses not to be writing, like, oh, I'll do this other thing, even if it's something I don't re- normally enjoy more than writing, it's because something about the story I'm working on isn't working. And subconsciously, I'm aware of that. And I don't want to face it because it probably means I have to rip out a bunch of what's there and do go a different direction but if I start to notice that it's like oh I'm just every time I have a chance to write I'm doing something else instead it's like something's bothering me about the story and I need to figure out what that is or it's not going to go away oh yeah no writing is one of the easiest things in the world to give up okay Bo you ready now now I feel thoroughly attacked by both of you right now about (laughs) (laughs) Uh (laughs) about my behavior (laughs) recently Good, good, good. Get back to writing. Yeah. What are you doing even on this podcast? I know. Yeah. Such great. I got to do a podcast. I can't write. I can't write right now. I I have responsibilities on the podcast. Got to be there. (laughs) Erica's fault. That could be such a funny thing to have to say to some, I'm going to have to use that excuse. Um, so uh, my question for you, though, is uh, do you um, have you soundtracked your books yet? Like music? No. Like, do uh, you listen to things oh. writing to then go, here's my Spotify list while I'm creating this epic epicness? I don't um, I don't like publish it. But, yeah, I'll usually if I need to evoke a certain mood. Um, I I'll find a you know s- soundtrack from a TV show or a movie or even a, a vocalized song and put it on that, that it fits the mood that I'm trying to write and put it on repeat because once it once once it's repeating enough it just becomes sort of a you stop paying attention directly to it and it just be, kind of becomes a background noise that helps make you feel like you're in the the, the mental zone so yeah uh, informally yes I have I've never then turned around and said, here's what I listened to while I wrote this scene. Um, But maybe I should think about doing that. Erica, did you freeze? Yes, I think she's frozen. (laughs) (laughs) All right, then I will just ask questions. All right. What's your favorite character in your fantasy series and why? Oh, my favorite character in my fantasy series is um, Cess, the hero. Um, There's other POVs. I add a POV each book. So there's four in total by the end. 
Um, but she's the main one throughout. And, um, and she's just, she's my sort of most, my least complicated hero. She's the most just sort of straightforwardly good. Not that she's not flawed. She does have flaws, but, um, uh, and she's certainly tempted by bad badness at certain points, but, uh, um, but she's very lovable. Uh, I, whenever I, since I'm, I, I miss working on this, on, on her as a character, whenever I sell a book in person and sign it, sell a copy of, of an unwilling souls book, I always inscribe it. Tell Sess I said, hi, because <laughs> I miss working with her. So, um, also true. I was really, also I was really mean to her and I feel guilty. So. <laughs> <laughs> there was guilt permeating. She, she didn't deserve time. what I did to her. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. We're going to do literary briefs. Are you ready? Done. Sure. Yes. Done. Okay. What is your favorite book of all time? That's a really hard one to answer because it changes. If if I had to pick one right now that has had, that I thought about the most since I read it, and that was about almost 10 years ago now, so it's it's been in my head for a long time, it's Blind Sight by Peter Watts. Um, And it is, if if you're not familiar, it is an alien first contact story that is like nothing else I'd ever read. And true to all my favorite books, it introduced me to concepts I'd never even considered before. Kind of mind-blowing concepts. And that's what I love more than anything in a a story. Um, So that's, that would be my answer, I think, at least in the, in the last decade, we'll say my favorite book. Very cool. What about your least favorite? The Old Curiosity Shop by Charles Dickens. Ooh, that was really <laughs> you had that You had that ready to go. Yes. Uh, I had to read that in ninth grade. It was part of our summer reading list. And it was 900 pages of, an old, of an old man and his granddaughter walking and walking. And spoiler alert, at the end of the book, they both die. Uh, <laughs> and... And I, I respect the fact that Charles Dickens was a serialized author and therefore he basically got paid by the word and, you know, more power to him. But man, it makes for some tough reading. <laughs> yeah, no, it's very true. It's very true. Especially um, in it for a ninth grader. <laughs> yes. Yes. Okay, Bo. Who is your favorite author of all time? Um, again, that's a tough question to answer my favorite i think my i think the author i would most try to emulate right that's working right now would be daniel abraham um who does he writes fantasy and then he's one half of um, james s.a Corey, who writes the wrote the expanse series Mm -hmm. of science fiction books and he what what i love about him is that his characters whether it's fantasy or science fiction and this is kind of rare in science fiction they all have very rich inner lives. They're all extremely thoughtful. And that's what I try to go for with my characters too. That's the, um, but they always just pull me right into the, and and you, even the worst of them, you can always find something to sympathize with in what they're doing. Um, and I just, I really think that's, I really think what he's able to do with that is amazing. Uh, and, and just keeps me coming back to his stuff over and over again. Very cool. Well, Who's your least favorite author? Um, I mean, I'm going to have to go back to Charles Dickens. 
Goddamn you, Dickens. I, I, I will say in senior year of high school, we read, and after years of reading books by Dickens and me developing a deeper and deeper hatred for his work, um, I read, uh, we read um, A Tale of Two Cities and I finished that book and I was like, okay, that was pretty good. Um, I didn't hate that book. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's about as good as I can say is that I thought that book was pretty good. Everything else by him and I, everything else of his I've renovated. So, yeah. Yikes. Okay. What about, um, what is your favorite writer snack? Like if you're snacking while you're writing, what is it? Hmm. Um, snacking while I'm writing. It's going to be something I can grab quickly. So maybe like, I don't know, like a handful of almonds or something that I can just kind of wolf down because if I get too far out of the zone, it, you know, it's hard to get back into it. So if I'm, if I'm hungry enough to be distracting me, I'm going to run downstairs, grab something like that, that I can just eat really fast and then get back to it without trying to break my concentration too badly. So. Makes sense. Makes sense. What about um, uh, casting your current two series you're working on? Who are you casting as the lead characters? Hmm. So no pressure at all, but get this right. (laughs) I feel like the, I feel like the real answer to this is probably always some, you know, some person you've never even heard of who would absolutely nail it. But because we have to, we're sort of operating in theoretical casting. I have to go with actors. I know, I think um, the the lead and the mutagen deception series is fairly ensemble ish, but each book has its kind of focal character. But Yasmina, the the lead of the first book, I would say, I think Karen Gillan would do a really good job playing her. Mm-hmm. I think she's got the sort of range. Yasmina is a very complicated character. She's sort of she's tough. She's she's a she's a a police captain turned politician. She's very tough, uh, very driven, snarkily funny, um, but also has an edge to her that I think I think Karen Gillan could could manage pretty well. Um, as far as pe- someone to play Belle, that's a really tough question because um, Belle, there's a there's a comedian, and I'm I'm drawing. Let me see if I can figure out drawing a blank on her name. Um, I'm gonna very quickly go to Google because I I I want to give a shout out. Um, but uh, okay, I think it's. Yeah, Jessica Williams. Um, she was on The Daily oh. Show. She's on the show Shrinking. Yeah. Belle is a smart ass who, extraordinaire, who doesn't like taking shit from anybody. And we were watching the show Shrinking on Apple TV recently, which has Jessica Williams in it as a major character. And while watching that, I was like, oh, she could play this character. She could play Belle really well because she's got that kind of um, I'm not taking crap from anybody attitude. Um, and she's constantly wisecracking, which also covers Belle. Very cool. Um, Bo? What is your favorite book to movie adaptation? The movie or TV adaptation. show. Or TV show. Mm-hmm. Um, I think... I'm going to go a little bit off the wall. I mean, an easy answer would be like the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, I think by and large did a really good job, but that, I'm sure that's a lot of people's answers. So I'm going to, I'm going to go a little bit off, off the wall and go with the magicians for TV. Um, the plot 
in no way resembles the plot of the books. It's like they took the books and put them in a blender and then kind of just randomly reassembled everything. But those books weren't really about the plot anyway. They were kind of about the vibe and the sense of humor mm. underlying everything. And I think the show did a really, really good job of capturing the feel of the books, even though it went completely different directions with the plot. Um, and I thought that was cool. Um, I think that's sort of what an adaptation should do. It's like, can you can you capture the feel of the source material while not just being a one-for-one one recreation of it? Because otherwise, like, why even make it, right? If, you, if it's yeah. just a perfect encapsulation of the book, you've got the book. Um, um, so I, I'll go with that. I think that that was a pretty neat um, project they did there. What about least favorite? Least favorite. Um, so I'm going to, this is, this is, this will probably, uh, I'm going to sound like I'm contradicting myself from earlier, but I'm not. I, I really liked that they had a successful adaptation of The Expanse. I didn't, it did not work for me. Um, even though it's one of my favorite book series. And I think the show objectively did a good job. It didn't capture the thing about the books that that was what I liked about it, which was that sort of inner life of the characters that I was saying that Daniel Abraham and also in this case, Ty Frank were so good at doing. But I'm not entirely certain that you could capture that in televised format. It's such a function of, the, of being inside, literally inside the characters' heads. And I just don't know, even with the best acting in the world, that you can really get across that level of depth. That for me, again, for me, I, I know it worked for a lot of people, and I'm thrilled that it was a, a successful series that people love because it is a very popular series. It's got its very cult following. It just for for me personally, it wasn't what I liked about the books, and so I didn't. I watched about, I watched the first season, and I was just like, eh, it's just I, I just can't get into it. Um, but but no shade. It was, you know, <laughs> I'm not trying to dump on any on the series for anybody else. Just wasn't my thing. No, that makes sense. Okay, what about um, if you could be any paranormal creature or magical creature or something like that? What would you be? Um, since they feature so much in my epic fantasy, um, I'm going to go with a giant jumping spider. <laughs> okay note to those that don't like jumping spiders your book series may be a little yeah bit if you if you don't like giant if you if, if spiders are just an absolute no-go for you you should probably steer clear of that series um yeah <laughs> they they feature they they are not they're they're good guys not bad guys i will say um did you intend to feature them that much i like spiders and i always have so yes <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's basically one of them becomes uh Cess, my hero's um her friend slash pet slash mount basically um she rides the spider um in certain instances so uh um but yeah i just have a soft spot for spiders so i decided i was going to have since since i decided i was self publishing and nobody could tell me this was a bad idea i was going to feature spiders in this, in this story <laughs> so have you ever had a pet spider I haven't, um, so it probably makes me sound hypocritical. But I'm the sort of person who, if uh, if someone was freaking out over a spider in, in the house or something, I would gather it up gently and take it outside, you know, and deposit it. I've never had a pet I, uh, one. Just gathered up a uh, brown recluse. Ooh, I, I will say if it's if they're dangerous, then then at that point all bets are off. Um, yeah, I I was actually very impressed. I caught it in a cup, a little like yeah. a mouthwash cup and put another mouthwash cup and then I dumped it in the toilet. 
and it took a yeah. voyage. And if it could hold its breath, then it's in a better place right now. <laughs> right. If it yeah, can't, you know, too bad. I, it's nothing personal, but if it was a black widow or something like that, or a brown recluse, then at that point, and it was in my space, I would say, okay, sorry, sorry, friend, but uh, not not going to happen. Uh, you know, I don't want to exiting the, the dance floor now, friend. <laughs> yes, yeah. that so. is awesome. That is awesome. Okay, Bo, what is your desert island book? You could only read one book for the rest of your life. Hmm. Well, we know it's not Dickens. Charles Dickens. No. <laughs> One book. How to torture Gregory. Put him on an island with this book. Uh, that would be bad. Um, I will. Um, I will go with uh, a book by Adrian Tchaikovsky, uh, which also features giant spiders. Um, called uh, Children of Time. And uh, that's a really cool space, uh, kind of space opera, kind of, but it's a sci-fi and it uh, it features a very um, uplifting view of what people are capable of and what, and cooperation between different species and I feel like if you're trapped on a desert island, you would need something that would keep your sense of hope going. So, so a lot of a lot of books I read are less uplifting than that. That one was pretty uplifting, so I think I would choose that one. I like it. I like it. What about a weird food combination? What is something mm. that you like to eat that people go, "You're eating that?" Because that's generally a reaction that people. Yeah. Um... I don't know. I mean, I don't eat a ton of weird. I mean, I'll, I guess with me, it's just, it's not so much a specific combination. It's just that if, you know, if I'm hungry and I see a bunch of things that would make me not hungry, even if they don't go together at all, I'm happy to just sort of like, you know, oh, here's some, some Cheetos and, you know, an apple with peanut butter. And like, <laughs> and, you know, it just might be, if, if I eat one thing and it's not, doing the job it's like okay and now here's some cheese and you know, <laughs> just you know just these individual things taste good i don't really care what happens once they're down in in, in my stomach so um I, I can't think of a specific i guess uh growing up when i would drink uh v8 you know the the vegetable juice and i think that was my mom's desperate attempt to get me to eat more vegetables um and and most people i think drink that cold i would always drink it warm and i don't like it cold i'll only drink it warm so that that if you if a combination of a food and a weird temperature is a thing then uh i would say so cuz that basically makes it a very interesting tomato soup that yeah. sounds so thick oh <laughs> i mean oh, it's basically bow, like salt bow, <laughs> my delicate little flower you get the final question now that you've been thoroughly grossed out. <laughs> what is your Starbucks order? <laughs> uh, the largest possible unsweet black tea that they make. It's a which is a Trenta, which isn't even on the menu. You have to ask for it specially. Is the is the size? So. Yes, yes, Starbucks in there, changing our entire vernacular to adapt to ordering properly from a <laughs> coffee place. I appreciate it. Okay. Gregory, shameless self-promotion time. Where do people find you in your books? 
Um, you can find me on gregorydlittle.com is my website. Um, I'm at litgreg, L-I-T-G-R-E-G on, I guess we'll call it X now. It was Twitter. Um, We're still calling it think, Twitter. We're not um, calling doing that. I'm on Facebook and, uh, and uh, I'm on Facebook and Instagram, but somehow I've managed to, to mix them up. So Facebook, it's Gregory D. Little author and Instagram, it's author Gregory D. Little. I should probably look into unifying that because it's very confusing um and then uh my books um unwilling souls that series is available wide you can get that on any ebook um service uh as well as print via amazon and barnes and noble and things like that um uh, the uh, mutagen deception uh those are available those are amazon's exclusive exclusive but that means you can get them on um on uh Kindle Unlimited, if that is a service you sign up for. They're also available in audio. Um, the new series, uh, Bell Begrudgingly Solves It, comes out August, starts August of next year. So, um, very cool. Very, very cool. It was wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much for having me, especially with the technical difficulties up front. I'm glad we were able to work through those. So. Yeah, nobody knows about them, but now you just did a reveal. I just Look ruined at you. it. At the end, you did a reveal. I know. Even knew. I know. But now, <laughs> just this is a, a mark of transparency, right? We, we're being transparent with our audience here. Oh, I appreciate that. <laughs> and how you slid a signature. Dun, dun, dun. Yes. Yeah. I like it. I like it. So thank you again for being here. This has been drinking with authors, with the literary person. I know what I'm saying, Bo. Stop judging me. Um, Bo Lake has been my co-host. Don't forget to like, subscribe, leave reviews, comments. We love that. Our guest has been Gregory D. Little. And-